Welcome to From God to Us, the podcast where we explore biblical subjects and topics related to theology and life. We are in our current series called The New Covenant, and we have looked at the promise of the New Covenant in the Old Testament and what its fulfillment would be, which was the coming of the Holy Spirit and how God has created a new way for men to relate to him, not just through the law, but through the Holy Spirit who came to dwell within mankind. We have seen that God has given us the ability to relate to him by grace through the Holy Spirit, not just through legalistic law. We have seen that God has created within mankind a new person, a new creation, which is through the Holy Spirit. We have seen also some of the promises that Jesus gave about the Holy Spirit and what he would do when he came. He would be the comforter who would dwell with us and be within us. He would also come to convict of sin, of righteousness and judgment, and the difference between true conviction and false guilt. Today we continue our series where we look at the coming of the Holy Spirit. We have titled this, A New Day Has Dawned, that day when the Holy Spirit came upon mankind there on the day of Pentecost. And we find that in Acts chapter 2. Jesus promised in Acts 1, he told his disciples that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon them and they would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We see the fulfillment of that in Acts chapter 2 and that's where we turn our attention in Acts chapter 2, we read these words. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. So we see that the disciples were gathered together in one place. And on this day of Pentecost, 40 days after Passover, they were gathered for another celebration. And the Holy Spirit comes upon them with great power. This initial coming of the Holy Spirit had a visible aspect to it. And what looked like tongues of fire or flames of fire rested upon them. And so God is making this evident that this new thing, this fulfillment of the new covenant is it's something special, something significant, something that has never happened before. And it comes upon a group of them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says they begin to speak in 
other tongues. This word here for tongues is, is glossa, and it can uh, refer to the literal tongue in your mouth. It can re refer to a type of speech, or it can refer to languages. And we understand that this is referring to languages and for two reasons. Number one, later the word language is used, which comes from the word dialectos and means dialect. They heard in their own specific dialect. And it lists all the different regions of Rome that had come to Jerusalem for this celebration. And so they were speaking in languages, even down to the very dialect of these various people. And these were languages they had not learned. It was a miraculous ability to speak a language they had not learned. So there's this gift of tongues. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But tongues was a this was given as a sign that something has happened, something new. Nothing like this had ever occurred before, that a group of people has now been filled with the Holy Spirit and is able to speak in other tongues. And they were speaking the words of God. They were speaking the testimony about who Christ is and what he had done. And people were able to hear in their own language. So this was not just some unintelligible speech or babbling. People actually heard them speak in languages. So there was this great power of the Holy Spirit. Another thing that happened is that Peter, the one who spoke out as he thought he would never deny Christ, but who denies Christ and in, in some sense in shame ran away. And when, when Jesus rose from the dead and they saw the empty tomb, he doubted. And, and ultimately Jesus had to challenge him about his love for him. But Peter now, this, this man who had denied Christ, stands up and very boldly and proclaims the word of God. He, he preaches a message. We find this in verses 14 through 37 of, the, of chapter 2. We're not going to read all of that, and you can read that yourself. But basically, he goes back and makes reference to the Old Testament and begins to quote things from the Old Testament and begins to apply it to the present day. In verse 29, we read, Peter is speaking, he says, Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we all are witnesses to the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And so you see, Peter relates this to this Jesus who came, who died, who rose again. And because of that, he has brought this promise of the Holy Spirit and poured this Holy Spirit out upon the people there. This wasn't some sermon he went out and wrote and prepared. It was that the power of the Holy Spirit brought these things to his mind and began to preach. And then it's very interesting that the people respond. They were cut to the heart. It says in verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit that we talked about last time. They were cut to the heart and said to the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? 
Notice there is this response that God is convicting them that this Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one who died and rose again. And the evidence of the fulfillment of this coming of the new covenant. And Peter responds, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Promise this is the promise that you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So Peter responds and says, repent and, and be baptized. Repentance is basically a change of mind when a person looks at themselves and sees that what they have believing is false. It's not true. They repent and, and they turn and they believe in this Christ and begin to trust in him. It's the, the act of turning away from what you have believed in and turning to this new message of Christ and trusting in him. And the baptism is that which always follows faith. Peter relates them together here, but throughout the New Testament we find that a person believes and is saved and baptism is this testimony that you give of the faith that you have received the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that this power of the Holy Spirit has moved 3,000 people at once to believe and to trust Christ. And they baptized 3,000 people in one day. A great moving, great revival, we might say, of the Holy Spirit. And then also in this chapter, again, we're just hitting the highlights of this chapter, but we see that in verses 42 through 48, the, the forming of what we would call the church, how the people now come together and begin to worship together and begin to form groups where they hear the word of God and, and pray and worship and minister to one another. And we find this in verses 42 through 48. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So there is this new thing now that forms, and we refer to this as the church, although the word church isn't used here later, this collection of believers who come together for worship and prayer and for fellowship is later identified as the church, the assembly, that which Jesus now has formed through the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so we see this basic forming of the church of Jesus Christ. And, and there are many things that happen here. They devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, which ultimately becomes the, the word of God, to fellowship, being with one another, breaking of bread, which may refer to having meals at homes. It may refer to what we call communion of the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And so these are things they devoted themselves to. Uh, they saw signs and wonders. Now, the Holy Spirit performs signs and wonders as God sees fit, as he sees fit. It's not something we have to try to reproduce. 
there's a movement today, a signs and wonders movement, where they're trying to reproduce these things. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not something man can force to happen. These signs and wonders occurred as evidence of this new thing that was happening, that not only was Jesus the Messiah who died and rose again, but it was also this new thing that had happened in the coming of the Holy Spirit. They also sold their possessions. They helped one another. They gave to each other as they had need. There was this this amazing love and commitment and dedication to one another. It says they continued to meet daily in the temple courts. Basically, the temple that time had a huge court area around the temple proper, and people would gather there for various things. There was a particular section of this huge courtyard area where they would gather on a daily basis. 3,000 people came together, and they worshiped together. Large worship setting. And then they also met in homes. Some people like to emphasize, say, well, the early church only met in homes. No, it says clearly they met daily in the temple courts, a large group meeting. So there was large group meeting for worship. There was small group in homes where they broke breads in their homes and they they worshiped together, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Notice that what was happening here was a good thing. People were watching and seeing that something fabulous was going on in this formation of this this church and this body. And the Lord continued to add people to their numbers. This is the initial coming of the Holy Spirit and this great power to move people to do things that you just can't do on your own. No human can reproduce these things on their own. And it's not for us to try to reproduce them. It's for us to allow the Holy Spirit to work within us and to give us the the ability to do the things that God wants to be done. This moving of the Holy Spirit in this time in the book of Acts is different to some degree. There's many things that are the same that the Holy Spirit does, but there was a special time for the world to see that Jesus Christ truly is the Messiah, particularly among the nation of Israel. But then ultimately this message of Christ and salvation goes out even to the Gentiles and they begin to accept the message and to come in and become part of this body of Christ, this church. So the Holy Spirit is moving in a very powerful way. And this is one of the things we we want to focus on is this power and this working of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers. And again, it's not for us to try to force or duplicate these things that happen. It's up to us, though, to, to allow this same Holy Spirit to work within us and to produce the things that he wants to do in our lives today. And so it's the same Holy Spirit, and he's working with great power. And we may not see the same things that they saw in those days, but we can see a working of the Holy Spirit in the lives of people. So what we see here is that the Holy Spirit is working to draw people to Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will speak of me. He will draw people to me. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. But there's a focus on Christ because salvation comes through trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, which results in then the Holy Spirit coming upon a person. So he is convicting hearts. We see this. 
There's these great signs and wonders and miracles and tongues that happen in order to show that this is a legitimate ministry from Almighty God. Uh, There's the convicting of hearts that people hear the message. They're convicted and they say, what do we do? And then people respond. People led them to hear the message, to, to repent and to trust Christ and to become a part of this new body that God was forming called the church. And so this is, we see this moving of the Holy Spirit. Even today, the Spirit is doing much the same thing. We may or may not see tongues. I think a lot of tongues today is not the tongues that the Holy Spirit gives. We may or may not see that. We may or may not see signs and wonders and miracles. That's up to the Holy Spirit to produce as he sees fit that those things that would advance the cause of Christ and the cause of God in the world. But we do see that the Holy Spirit is working to draw people to Christ, to draw believers together for worship, for fellowship, for prayer, for praise. The Holy Spirit is doing these things, very same things today. We see that baptism, water baptism, is something that follows salvation and and the Holy Spirit is leading people to be baptized, not to be saved, but because they have been saved. The Holy Spirit comes to give gifts and the way we serve Christ today is, is through allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our hearts, in our lives, and produce these spiritual gifts, these gifts that can only come through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Some of you may Remember the time when you were saved, and I can remember the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my heart. I had gone to church on and off as a child. I had heard the gospel message and supposedly gotten saved, but I never truly comprehended the issue of my sin and the the need of a Savior. And I can remember as a teenager in high school, just becoming under great conviction that something wasn't right in my life. Though I went to church and tried to read the Bible and tried to do good things, I had never truly accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And the Holy Spirit brought me under great conviction that I was a sinner, something was wrong, and I needed a Savior. And when I placed my hope and my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone, the one who gave himself for me, who died in my place, who paid for my sin, who rose again the third day. When I placed my faith and hope and trust in him and him alone, God saved me, redeemed me, and began to give me a peace. The Holy Spirit came in and began to assure me of the salvation that God had given me through Jesus Christ. Some years later, I was baptized. I didn't realize the the importance of being baptized because I had been baptized one time before when I wasn't truly saved, but I came under the conviction that this was something I needed to do in obedience to Christ. Therefore, later was water baptized as a response to the salvation that Christ had given me and as a testimony to what Jesus Christ had done in my life. The thing I think we need to ask ourselves is this power of the Holy Spirit that has been given, how do we bring about this power or allow this power in our lives to function? Rather than trying to force some sort of experience or force some sort of signs or wonders, how do we allow the Holy Spirit to do the work that he wants to do 
in our lives? And I think that's, that's what we need to ask ourselves, this question, rather than, as some people do, say, well, we must do signs and wonders because that's what we see in the book of Acts. You can't force that. You can't truly do signs and wonders unless the Holy Spirit is behind it and the Holy Spirit is producing it. I think what we need to to look at as allowing the Holy Spirit the freedom to do his work in our lives and not hindering those things that the Holy Spirit wants to do. And so I'd like to talk to you a couple of things about how we allow the Holy Spirit to be unleashed with power in our lives. And two of the things we should focus on is the things that we often do that hinder that movement and that work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The first passage I want to make reference to in the New Testament is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, where Paul has encouraged the Ephesians to live according to as children of light, to live according to God's ways, to put off all types of sins. And then in verse 30, he says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. To grieve the Holy Spirit means to do something that I know is wrong, but I do it anyway. It's to willingly and knowingly sin against God in some way. This is called, causes God and causes the Holy Spirit grief. God has given us his spirit to lead us and to guide us and to teach us. But grief happens when I willingly and knowingly sin against God and against Jesus and against the Holy Spirit. This causes grief in the heart of God. It causes grief in the Holy Spirit. And this hinders the work of the Holy Spirit. The response to that is to bring that before God, to confess that completely, to admit that we have willingly and knowingly sinned against God, to ask for his forgiveness and ask for the strength to turn away from that sin in our lives. And so when we are dealing with sin properly, we allow the Holy Spirit the freedom to work in our lives. Another passage I'd like to refer to in the New Testament is also is found in 1 Thessalonians 5:19 where there Paul says do not quench the spirit or do not put out the spirit's fire depending on which translation you look at do not quench the holy spirit the idea of quenching is when i'm thirsty i want something to drink and, and water quenches that thirst and the idea to quench the holy spirit is to resist the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is working in my life and leading me to do that which is good and right, leading me to minister to someone or to share the gospel or whatever it might be, when I say no to the moving of the Holy Spirit in my life, I am quenching the work of the Holy Spirit. In other words, I'm putting out the work of the Holy Spirit. One way we hinder the work of the Spirit is to quench the Spirit, to say no to the Spirit. Again, when we do this, we must come and, and bring that in confession and then turn around and, and say yes to the Holy Spirit. Okay, I have said no, but now I confess that sin and, and I say yes. And I think these are two areas of our life that when the Holy Spirit is, is moving us 
to do something or to not do something, we need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And when we know something is sinful, we must turn away from that and allow the Spirit to give us strength to turn away. And when we know something that we are supposed to do, we follow through and we say yes to the Holy Spirit. When we do those things, then the Spirit is free to work in our lives and produce the works of God and to produce the works of the Holy Spirit. Those things that will bring glory to God, that will bring glory to Jesus, that will advance his kingdom on the earth. And so what we need to learn to do is through the power of the Holy Spirit to say no to sin and yes to the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, we release the Spirit's power in our life. What can we expect when this happens? We can expect that God is going to do something in us and through us that we could not do by ourselves alone. Now that will be different for different people because the Holy Spirit gives different people different gifts. Not everyone is going to have the gift to be a speaker or to be a missionary or to be up front and and maybe to do miracles or things like that. We can expect that God will give us the ability to do things that we wouldn't otherwise be able to do. I use the example of myself. I believe God has given me the gift of teaching, which is something that I would not be able to do on my own. The gift of teaching is something that is produced in me through the Holy Spirit. It's not just that I study and learn and try to teach what I've learned, but there's something with the Holy Spirit comes along and works in me and through me to help people comprehend God's Word in such a way that they can apply it to their lives and to mature and to grow in their faith. This is how the Holy Spirit works. And whatever gift God has given you, as you say no to sin and yes to the Holy Spirit, God is going to produce that and work within you. And you will see God's power working in you and through you for his kingdom and for his glory. The Holy Spirit has come to give us power to be witnesses for Christ throughout the world. I hope that you are learning more and more to say no to sin and yes to the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the coming of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the fulfillment of the new covenant. Jesus came to give himself to die and to rise again, and then to bring the Holy Spirit and send the Holy Spirit upon mankind. And we thank you that every one of us that knows Jesus Christ as personal Savior has been enabled by the Holy Spirit to do your work for you. And we pray that each of us Every day, we'll learn more and more to say no to sin and yes to the Holy Spirit. We pray all this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.